Hello, and welcome to Truth For Today with Terry Fant. And yes, I'm your host, Terry Fant. In a world full of confusion that leads to chaos, the answer for clarity is the absolute truth of God's Word. It has stood the test of time. I hope you'll listen to this message with an open heart and that God would speak to you one-on-one through it. If you're ever in the Florence, Mississippi area, then we would love for you to join us for live worship. Please feel free to reach out to me at terryfant at icloud.com. May the Lord bless you as he draws, shapes, and instructs you. Now, let's listen to today's message. Yes, yes, yes. Aren't you glad he's for you and not against you? Somebody ought to shout amen right there. Can you imagine what it'd be like if he was against us? Amen. Hey, I want to thank you for choosing to come and worship with us this morning if you're our guest, all right? And usually, this is our least attended Sunday of the year, one of uh, the Sunday before school starts, right? How many of you are glad school's starting this week? Uh, I, hear some, I hear some mamas and daddies in the house shouting glory. I hear some teachers saying, pray for us. And uh, hey, we're going to do that tonight, too, for all of our teachers that will be here in our worship time. We're going to have a prayer time for you. So, uh, please, if you can be here, be here. We want to uh, honor you and pray for you that way as a new uh, season is on the horizon. But again, if you're our guest here this morning, if you look on the chair backs, about every third chair back has one of these, a little QR code. If you would take just a second and, and scan that with your phone, give us a little information so we can minister to you. That's what the church is for, to minister to you, not just to see you on Sunday morning. And so uh, please help us with that. Uh, let me see if y'all will smile with me this morning. Any of y'all be ready to smile, right? Uh, Bill, that's a good smile. Thank you. You looked right up and smiled. Thank you for that. And uh, hey, we, all, we are the only people on planet Earth that have reason to smile. And our smiles, who, who are you talking to? I'm talking to those who've been born again in here. And I don't know who you are because we all look a lot alike, right? Um, but those who've been born again, we're the only re- people on planet Earth that have a reason to smile. And our reason to smile always supersedes whatever the circumstances of our day. And so I'm thankful today that he is for us. And we're going to find that out today in Psalm number three. So if you have your Bible, would you make your way to Psalm number three? Some of y'all thought we didn't have early worship, didn't you? Huh? I had somebody come to me, hey, did y'all have early worship this morning? I said, yes. They said, well, where were all the people? I said, the preacher let them out early. I don't know what happened. And, uh, and then I heard somebody said, we were named nameless. Said, I was probably going to take it out on you guys. And uh, go long, but I pray that I would not do that. I want to say concisely exactly what God said and exactly what God wants to say to me and you, okay? And not take one more minute of your time than necessary. But at the same time, I'm thankful for a group of people who don't watch the clock, who don't constantly come to me and say things. I'm serious. I I have pastor friends all over the world. And uh, I have one of the rarest groups of God's followers here uh, that I never hear. Now, you may say it behind my back, right? Um, but to me, you never, you never pressure me on time. And many of you will say, man, I didn't even know it was time for us to go. And I, that's what I pray for. I pray that God, because your attention, listen, your attention is one of the most valuable thing you, you possess. And what you give your attention to, listen, will transform you and change you, whatever it is. And this morning, you've chosen to give your attention to the Lord and to his word. And so I don't want to waste one minute of it. Psalm number three. Let me give you some quick background about what's going on. Psalm of David, a beginning of some psalms that are some prayers during a particular season in David's life. David was the shepherd king. You remember his story? Um, he was, his brothers were uh, thought to have going to be the rightful king coming in line uh, when they were brought out. Uh, but in fact, Samuel said, God said, not him, not him, not him. And got to the last one. And that was David, the shepherd boy, the last chosen, but God looks at the inside, not the outside. David becomes a great king. But at the same time, David also sins greatly. Let me say that to you again. David became a great king, but I need you also to see that David sinned greatly. 
And today, um, as we talk about the fact that God is for us, we're going to sort of take that and add a little something to it that makes it even more special, okay? And you'll understand what I mean as we go along. So what's happened here in Psalm number three, uh, his son... Absalom has killed his half-brother Amnon, all right? And the reason for that is found in 2 Samuel chapter 13. You ought to check that out. You, listen, days of our lives couldn't make up stuff like that. And this literally happened. Now, remember, something you need to learn as you're studying your Bible. Just because the Bible recorded it does not mean the Bible condones it, right? You, you follow with me? So when you read that, it's going to blow your mind. Some of y'all are like, go and read that now. Don't read it now. Listen, hang in the message. Go read that later, Okay. <laughs> And so, um, what's happened is this son, Absalom, has not only killed Amnon, but he is also now after his dad, David. And he has uh, gotten a lot of David's constituents, his subjects in the kingdom, and turned them away from allegiance to David and gotten their allegiance to him, to Absalom. And now they are chasing David. They're wanting to kill him. Can you imagine uh, being on the run and who you're running from is your own flesh and blood? And Absalom is wanting to kill David, and David's hiding in caves and running, and he's left. He's not vacated the throne. He's still the king, but he's left the kingdom, if you will. He's not, no longer on the throne, if you will. And so just kind of picture the scene. Now we're going to read this prayer that David has written uh, as this season is happening in his life, okay? Would you stand to your feet with me today in honor of reading God's Word? And we're going to cover, get this, the whole thing. Can you believe that? Psalm 3, all of it, all eight verses. And so here we go, Psalm number three, beginning in verse number one. If you can't physically stand, stand in your heart. Nobody's going to look down on you. We're just doing this in honor of God's word, okay? Here we go, Psalm number three, beginning in verse one. Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. Many are they who rise up against me. Many are they who say of me, there's no help for him from God. But you, O Lord, are shield for me, my glory and the one who lifts up my head. I cried to the Lord with my voice, and he heard me from his holy hill, Selah. That word, remember, means just to pause, interlude, and to pause and, and reflect, okay? Verse 5, I lay down and slept, and I woke, for the Lord sustained me. I, was not I will not be afraid of ten thousands of people who have set themselves against me all around. Arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all my enemies on the cheekbone. You have broken the teeth of the ungodly. Salvation belongs to the Lord. Your blessing, oh, we just sang about this, is upon... Your people say, let's pause for a brief word of prayer. Will you bow with me? Somebody's thinking right now, man, we prayed like five times already. Um, that's because we declare here we're totally dependent upon the Lord. We got nothing to say. We got nothing we can do unless he helps us. So let's bow together. Father, we pray simply that you help, help us now. Help me, Lord, with all my frailties. Lord, you know me better than anybody and how my mind is easily distracted. And Lord, I pray in Jesus' name you would put on display today that you can choose anybody and use them anywhere you and so choose. And Father, I pray it'd be a display of the Spirit's power today. And God, as you preach through me, please also preach to me. I need to be reminded of what you have already said and what you want to say to us here today. So would you tune our ears into your voice? Bind the enemy that wants to talk to us from the outside and bind the, help us not to listen to the voice of our flesh that wants to think about later today and later next week and miss the seed of the word today. Speak to us now, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, you may be seated. And what we're going to do this morning is we're going to look at two sections of the text. There's gonna be two main sections of the text, okay? Here's the main idea, if I was to give it to you. Here it is. The Lord is faithful to help his people. Would you just write that down somewhere? What's the main idea? What'd you learn about Sunday? I learned the title of the message is simply help. And the main idea of it is the Lord is faithful to help 
his people. Anybody glad of that today? Anybody ever in need of the help of God in the house this morning? Any of you say, whether it be physically, whether it be emotionally, whether it be spiritually, uh, we are, uh, my, my brother Charles, I've told you about, he's gone on to glory, he died at uh, 94. Uh, he always would say, we are needy people. And it's good for us to know we are. We're a needy people, okay? And so as we dive in this morning, the Lord is faithful to help his people. Two main sections. But now number one is going to have a list of three. You ready? And number two is going to have a list of six. You said, preacher, you got that outline? Y'all were finished 30 minutes before we got here? Yes. Uh, so you hang on, okay? Uh, sit down and buckle in, and let's see what the Lord might do, okay? So again, this Psalm of David, going back to verse number one, one and two, okay? First section I want us to look at is this one truth that you already know, but I'm gonna bring it out again, and that is life is full of opposition. Would you agree with that statement? Life is full of opposition. How many of you know time opposes us? You thought about that? You ever get to the end of the day and thought you should have got more done, but time ran out? Or do you look in the mirror sometimes now and see the effect that time's had on you? I look in the mirror and think, who is that dude, man? I still feel in my mind like 20 years old, but I'm not looking at a 20-year-old guy in the mirror. And so time opposes us, and, and people oppose us. And how about this? We even oppose ourselves. Sometimes you've heard this before. I'm my own greatest enemy sometimes, right? So life is full of opposition. Now, what, is it, what did I find that in the text? Look at verses 1 and 2 with me this morning. And David said, I, Lord, how they have increased who trouble me. There are more of them. And they're everywhere. Uh, I look to my right, and there's the enemy. They're chasing me. So I hide in this cave. And I get here, and I hear about them over here. And there's more of them over here. And I hide in this cave. And he's on the run for his life. And, and who is it that is the enemies that are after him? It's his own son. And not just his own son, but also members of his kingdom that are supposed to be giving him allegiance and loyal to him. And so I want you to think for a minute about, about David's fear, because, of course, they could take his life. But also the pain of, here's a word for you, ready? Betrayal. I believe as far as emotionally, betrayal is one of the most painful things that you and I can experience. You would agree with that this morning? And betrayal is a hard, very difficult thing. Uh, and because, listen, a stranger can't betray you. Uh, an acquaintance can't betray you. Only those closest to you can betray you, right? And so here is his own flesh and blood, hunting him down like a dog. And he said, God, I look around and they're everywhere and there's, they're all on every side. And you're going to read verse number two. He says, many who rise against me. Verse two, he says, many are they who say of me, and, and not only are they out there, not only trying to kill me, but what they're mocking me by saying is God can't help him. God can't help him. You ever had somebody say that to you? I guess God's going to help you now. And in our minds, sometimes the voice says, well, I don't know if God's going to ever be able to help me out of this situation that I found myself in. So I want to talk quickly about three reasons that you and I face opposition in this life. Real quick, all right, real quick. Number one, number one, write in your notes, sometimes... Sometimes the opposition is due to living a godly life in a fallen world. You're tracking with me? In other words, you decide that you're really going to follow Jesus, and so you're going to live for him. You're not going to be like every other eighth, ninth, tenth grader, senior. You're not going to blend in and be the average person. You're going to really live for the Lord. And as you do that in your business, in your home, in your marriage, in your class, people will, well, they'll persecute you. Let me give you a verse, all right? 2 Timothy chapter 3, and verse number 12. Listen, listen to what Paul told Timothy. yes. And all who desire to live, y'all reading with me, to live a godly in Christ Jesus, what's going to happen? They're going to suffer persecution. So we have a guarantee of God that, that because of sin and the fallen world in which we live in, if we choose to follow Jesus and really live for him, we're going to be opposed. People are going to make fun of us. Uh, we're going to miss out on some things that this world has to offer, nothing that we need, nothing that will help us glorify God, but there's going to be some difficult days. Have you experienced that yet? 
And if you haven't, maybe it is that you've not yet quite lived, really sold out unto the king. You see, his kingdom is not of this earth. Remember when he said that? And so you and I, when we live it down here, I'm telling you, people will persecute you. So sometimes, sometimes the hardships of our day are because we've chosen to live different. We've chosen to live for Jesus in a world that does not. We've chosen to stand for truth when the world does not. And so it costs us some things, all right? So sometimes it's that. Other times, number two, sometimes the opposition is simply there to refine our faith. Y'all tracking with me? Fire refines gold and silver. Uh, those ores that are mined out of the earth are placed in very hot temperatures, and those hot temperatures burn away the impurities. It's called dross. It rises to the top, it's dipped away, and what is pure and good and best is left behind. Same is true about your faith. Let me give you a verse so you don't think I'm making this up, okay? Some of y'all are like, he's making this up, I can tell. First uh, Peter chapter one, verses six and seven. So we're talking about life is full of, y'all help me, what? Opposition. David said, it's all around me. It's all around me. It's my own family. You ever been opposed by your own family? And they're hunting, he's hunting him down. And so sometimes it's because of, uh, we're trying to live for the Lord in a world that does not. Other times it's because God's refining our faith. Listen to 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. In this, Peter said, you greatly rejoice. But though now for a little while, it's temporary, if need be, there's a need, you have been, uh oh, here's not our favorite word, you have been, Grieved, and what causes the grief? Various trials. What's the purpose? That the genuineness of your faith, being much more precious than gold that perishes, though it's tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. You see, trials and tribulations here are the testing ground of your faith and mine. It's where the fire is hot and we find out what we really believe. You know, you really don't know what you believe until it's tested right? A faith that's never been tested, let me tell you this, can't be trusted. You find yourself in some situations and the testing happens. And here's what I've learned in my life. When I'm tested and God produces the desired result, I'm amazed. It always calls me to fall more in love with him. And I'm more amazed at the kind of power he has over my old selfish nature. I love seeing the activity of God in my life. It helped me see me forgive somebody that normally I would have choked them. Y'all know what I'm talking about. And instead of that, I forgive it. I'm like, man, what in the world's wrong with me? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, I've been born again. And it reminds me of the supernatural power of God to transform how we live. You see, Jesus isn't an ideology. He's not an idea. He's not something we do on Sunday. He's a personal Savior that brings transformation. So sometimes it's to refine our faith, okay? Now, we said three reasons. First one, we find opposition because we're living godly in a fallen world. Second, sometimes it's to refine our faith like gold or silver, but thirdly, and this is David's plight, sometimes, and I'm glad y'all are sitting down because it's going to shock you, sometimes, and watch it on the overhead, sometimes it's a direct result of our sin. Did you know that? Did you know that sometimes we find ourselves in a terrible situation and the only person's fault is it is, is our own? Now, we're not always, not always, but sometimes. Is anybody else in here, y'all are kind of giving me that blank stare right now, and I'm feeling awful lonely in the house. Is there anybody else in the house that say you have, at some point in your life, faced consequences because of your own decisions? Okay, good night. Y'all were hiding that well. Y'all were hiding that well this morning. Thank you for raising your hand so I'm not feeling so lonely. Now, what happened with David, okay? Why do you know, Terry, how can you say that this was related to his sin? Uh, are you playing God? No, I'm not playing God. I'm, I'm saying what God said. So if you will, uh, look with me. This is going to be on the overhead. Write it in your notes, 2 Samuel chapter 12, okay? 2 Samuel chapter 12. Here's what's happening. 
David has gone onto his rooftop when he should have been out fighting battles. And he's on his rooftop and he sees a lady bathing and she captures his attention. He goes and gets her, brings her home, rest of the story, and they end up getting together. Her husband is one of his military leaders, Uriah. He comes home, right? And he brings him home off the battlefield, gets him drunk, makes him pretend like it was him, but he wouldn't leave, his, he wouldn't leave the king's doormat because he, he loved David. He, he honored David. And so David then sends him onto the battlefield and says to the leader, Joab, his military leaders, draw away from him, take him to the hottest part of the battle and then leave him out there by himself, hang him out high and dry. And that's what happened. And so here is Uriah, this man who honored David. He loved David, who now David has been with his wife. Now he's on the battlefield fighting for the honor of David. And David says, y'all back up and kill, let him be slaughtered. And David and some other, excuse me, and Uriah and some other of David's soldiers are there shot through arrows. They, they, they pierce them through with arrows and swords until they die on the battlefield. That is David, the shepherd king. Wow. Now, don't you think there's hope for you? And so what's happened here in 2 Samuel chapter 12 is a prophet by the name of Nathan has been sent by God to go visit David. When he goes and visits him, he tells him a story about a man, a rich man who had all of these lambs and this poor man who had one little ewe lamb. And the rich man had some company come in town, so he takes the poor man's little ewe lamb and he slaughters it and, and eats it and takes it for his own and David is infuriated. David says, that man ought to pay tenfold. He ought to pay with his life. And Nathan says, one of the most pointed statements in all of scripture. He says, you are the man. And in that moment, uh, David responds with repentance and he comes before the Lord. But let me just kind of read with you uh, the consequences. Now, here's something I want to share with you. Although you and I can be forgiven of our sin because of Jesus, we still will oftentimes face consequences here in this life. Has anybody here lived that yet? Uh, what I mean is, my sin cannot be brought up in the courtroom of heaven. Why? Jesus' blood has washed it clean. You could, listen, you, if you and I could take a field trip to heaven, by the way, wouldn't that be nice? And we were to go up there, all of us, all 550 of us in here, and we went right up there, and we started just, and the mission was go through all the filing cabinets in heaven and find one shred of evidence that Terry ever did one thing wrong. You know what? We couldn't find it. And that's all thanks to Jesus. He's washed it clean, record, record cleared, no evidence that it ever happened. How about that? But, but, that doesn't mean that my sin in my life doesn't have consequences here in this life. Okay, y'all going with me? Yes, all right. So let me just read it for you. 2 Samuel 12, 10 and 11. Now remember, this is Nathan. God speaking through Nathan to David after he's confessed, agreed that he did it. Now, therefore, the sword shall never depart, y'all help me, from your house. Now, now, who is it that's this, this, this opposition that David has it to? Absalom is his son. And there are many of them, okay? And so it says, now therefore the sword shall never depart from your house because you have despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah. Isn't it interesting? Isn't it interesting that God says when you and I choose our way, that what we're, it's an act of despising him. It's an act of hatred toward God. What? Have you missed that? Have you ever missed that? I've missed that. That God says, when I sin, it's not just a mistake or a bad decision. It's, 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 it's an act of hatred toward God. Wow, that's weighty, isn't it? So he says, you've despised me and have taken the wife of Uriah, the Hittite, to be your wife. Thus says the Lord. Here's the, here, now, God forgave him. He still, listen, aren't you glad God did, still did great things through David's life? Yes, he did. But now read with me. Thus says the Lord. Behold, I will raise up adversity from you. You're reading? From, y'all help me. Oh, Absalom his own house. 
his own flesh and blood. And God said, because this thing is entered, because sin has wrecked the situation, there's going to be pain and difficulty. It's going to come in your own house. And so let's go on to see just a little bit about what he says. Behold, I will raise up against adversary, uh, adversity rather, against you from your own house, and I'll take your eyes before your eyes and give them. There's all kinds of things that happen in this situation, but, but just have, let me help you see this. Sometimes our opposition is due to godly living in a fallen world. Sometimes the opposition we face is because God's just refining our faith. It's difficult. We draw closer to him. We spend more time in the Word. How many of you know you spend more time in the Word and prayer when things are hard? We do. It's our, it's our nature. But then sometimes our opposition is directly related to our personal sin, and that's where David is. Now, that's a sobering moment, isn't it? Can you picture him hiding in a cave? Mighty military man who killed tens of thousands of people. Uh, the likes of which his strategy and military prowess no one's ever been able to match. And now he's hiding in caves, running from his own son. I, I can't imagine the despair. It must have been his I would. It, it would hurt my heart to even think about one of my kids being mad at me or, or thinking negative about me, right? But can you imagine what it would be like to have them trying to kill you? And so here he is, and he's found himself, and he has called in Bathsheba. Go back. He, he brought in Bathsheba. He, he sent Uriah out. He brought him home, got him drunk. That didn't work. And he sent him out on the battlefield and had him slaughtered. Now, what kind of, what is, who, who, here's a question. Who is God in the midst of that? Like, like you, you, the title of the message is help, but, but here's the question. Will God help me when I have failed miserably? And the answer is an emphatic Yes. If it was no, I'd home this morning. Huh? And I would have just stayed home, went fishing, or, you know, did something uh, otherwise. But I'm here today to tell you, he is the help even when we have miserably failed him. Aren't you glad of that? And that means your life still has potential. My life still has potential. So let's dive in. Second part of the message. See, y'all are halfway there. It's halftime already. You barely got your seat warm. Isn't that good? Somebody said, we're going to be the first ones at the restaurant today. All right? Roman number one, life is full of opposition. Number two, the unexpected help. The unexpected help. Have you ever burned a bridge with somebody? Anybody here ever burned a bridge? Maybe with a friend or loved one, parent, child. You know, you kept going to the well. Kept doing wrong, kept going to the well until finally the well. Come on, somebody. That thing ran dry. And they'll tell you this, right? They'll tell you, don't call me. If you're going to keep doing this, if you're, going to, if you're going to do this, whatever, then we say, what? Bridge burnt. Don't call me. Call somebody else. And so who is God when we have failed miserably? And we've burned bridge after burned bridge after burned bridge. He brought Bathsheba in, did that. Then brought Uriah off the battlefield, got him drunk, did that. Then sent him back out there and had him killed, did that. Who is God? Well, let's dive in and see, all right? Because David now is going to turn and talk about his unexpected help. When I say unexpected, not unexpected by David, but unexpected by the series of circumstances. Y'all tracking with me? David expected the help. He expected the help not based on what David had done. He expected the help based on who God is. That's going to get some of y'all in just a minute, all right? No, I said it a little bit fast, but let's dive in. Okay, look in verses 3 and on down through verse number 8. So far, he said, many are these enemies around me. They're everywhere. They're rising up, and they're saying, God can't help me. And it's his own family. It's his own son. Verse number three, but you, O Lord, are a, y'all help me, shield for me, my glory, 
and the one who lifts up my head. So what I'm about to do is take verses three and on down through verse number eight, and one verse at a time, I'd like to highlight who is our unexpected help, okay? So God is, number one, God is a shield. Listen to this now. I want you to hear the words of it as it comes on the overhead. Leave it up there for just a few minutes. They have time to read it and to write it. He is a shield for protection. Now get this. For those who wounded him. Now now think on that for a minute. Who in this room wounded Jesus? I'll start. Now, where do I get that? Isaiah said he was wounded for our transgressions, right? He was crushed and bruised for our inequities, our sin. So, uh, again, the question posed, who in here has wounded Jesus? Everybody here, he died for the sins of the whole wide world, right? When they put that cat of nine tails and striped his back, it was because of my sin and your sin, things you've done and I've done. When they drove their nails to his wrists and feet, it's because of things you've done and I've done. And so we wounded him, but here's the deal. In the midst of our failure, he's still the kind of help that says, I'll still be your shield. Now, I don't know anybody like God, do you? I don't know anybody like Jesus that says, even though you've burnt bridge after burnt bridge after burnt bridge, after you've done wrong, you've betrayed me, you've turned your back, you've hated me and done your own thing, if you'll call on me, I'll be your shield. I don't know about you guys. I wish somebody's smiling here this morning. Y'all looking too despondent down there. I'm glad. Hey, y'all probably had messed up like I have. And so I just wake up surprised I have a shield. Amen. I, I would expect God to say to me, Terry, I'm not shielding you from nothing. You've made a bunch of poor decisions, but it's not him. He said, I'll be your shield. And David knew it. And in spite of all the wickedness that David did in his heart and with his body and in the lives of others, he said, I know one thing about God. Even though I have failed him miserably, he is a shield around me. Hallelujah. He'll protect me on every side. So he's a shield for the protection for those who wounded him, all right? Let me move on into verse number three, second part. Let me say this. Not only is the unexpected help a shield, but he's also glory. Now, write that down. He is the glory of all who call upon him. Now, let me give you a little personal example here, if I might. He's the glory of all who would call upon him. Now, glory then would be the opposite in this context of shame. Do you know the difference? Have you ever been ashamed of anything? Uh, anybody in here ever struck out that you can remember back when you were playing t-ball? Or have you seen a kid do that recently? What do they usually do when they leave out? What are they, what are they usually looking when they leave out of that batter's box? <laughs> oh, y'all seen that too, huh? Down, right? They strike out, you know, why? Ashamed. Uh, And so I want you to think about uh, our lives. Sometimes you and I do things that we wish we hadn't. Isn't that true? I mean, I look back over my life, there's so many things that I wish that I had not done. Um, But I can't, have you learned this, that you can't go back and undo them? And there was a season in my life when I came out of the pig pen, you know, that far off country in the dark years when I was absolutely walking in Terry's way and not God's way. Coming back from that, I remember going back to church, right? And I'd come in, and little Riley, who now has his own two children, I'm toting him in a baby carrier, and when I would come in the back of the sanctuary where we were going to church, I would would always look at the carpet because I felt like everybody else in the room had it all together, and they had not done the things that I had done, and I could just remember coming in and coming in and just having that. And and one day, I was at a funeral, and I heard Psalm 3-3, and it gripped my heart. He said, for you, O Lord, are a shield about me, my glory. And the, and the Lord began to speak to me about the glory and shame. And the Lord just began to show with me this. I learned this in study, uh, that when they crucified people in Jesus' day, did you know that, that they did that painfully? Do you know that it was a painful experience? Nod your head if you're tracking with me. But did you know that also it was an embarrassing event? 
because uh, you hung among masses of people on, on Golgotha, on the side of that mountain, on that cross, and there were people in every direction, and he was naked on that cross. Now, I want you to imagine that. You've been drugged through the dirt. You've been chained. You've been beaten. You've been spit on. They pulled your beard. They punched you, put a crown of thorns on you. They've whipped you with a cat of nine tails. They've driven nails through your wrists and feet, and you're hanging there without one stitch of clothing in front of everybody. They're just looking at you. And how agonizing and embarrassing that would be. You see, the Word of God says that Jesus was put to shame so that you and I wouldn't live in it. And so what that means is I no longer need to look at the carpet and you no longer need to look at the carpet and you need, no longer need to operate like a second-class citizen in the kingdom of heaven no matter where you've been or what you've done. You need to come to the conclusion today that your glory is not in your performance. Somebody ought to amen right there. But that your glory is found in Jesus Christ, in Jesus. And God whispered to me that day, uh, Terry, I was your glory when you thought you were doing good. <laughs> And I was your glory when you were in those barrooms bouncing, and I'm still your glory today. And if your glory is anything other than me, it's not glory at all. But if your glory is in me, no matter what you've done, it's glory. Hallelujah, it's glory. And I pray today somebody's getting freed up. Hallelujah, that there is unexpected help. You would expect God to say, don't ask me again, but he doesn't. He says, call them in your day of trouble, and I'll be a shield for you, and I'll be your glory. How can you look straight ahead when you leave out of here? Because of Jesus. How can you look straight ahead, not prideful with your chest poked out, but looking straight ahead, looking folk in the eyes? You know how? Because Jesus paid it all. So he said, you're my glory. But the next thing he says, and this is number three. So one, we said he's a shield of protection for those who were wounded and who wounded him. But second, he's the glory of all who called on him. Thirdly, I want you to see this. What a beautiful picture. He's the lifter of heads to the failures who find rescue in him. I was just talking a little bit about looking down at the carpet, and I remember that day sitting at a funeral. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine God speaking to somebody at a funeral? And I'm sitting in that funeral and I'm just listening and then Psalm 3.3 is preached and I'm telling you it was as if the very hand of God came down that day and caught me right up underneath the chin and said, son, lift your head up. You no longer live as a second class citizen. I bought you and paid for you and you've been cleansed by the blood. Now go live it. Now go live it. You know what I prayed this morning early? And it did happen in the early worship time that somebody in here, somebody listening out there, somebody listening to the podcast later, that God's very hand would reach down right now in this worship center. And you've been, listen, you've been living a life paralyzed by regret. You've just sort of been holding off and really just going full in with the Lord because some things in your past or some things in your present. And the Lord, I prayed this early this morning that the very hand of God would reach down on your chair on row number five and four seats from the end, wherever you're sitting right now and lift your head up that you're no longer paralyzed by regret. Oh, hallelujah to the Lamb of God. Let me move on if I can, all right? So he's a lifter of heads to the failures who find rescue. Number four, and there are only six. I told y'all y'all gonna be first ones in the restaurant today. Number four, he hears the cry of his children in trouble. That's unexpected. He hears the cries of his children when they are in trouble, even when we have failed. You say, why is this unexpected? Because we failed him. David failed him. He failed him not just with like foul language. He failed him with adultery and lie and murder. And, and yet when he called on the Lord, he was his help. I don't know about you, but I'm, I'm so thankful this is in the word of God. Are you? Uh, that when you look at David's life and that God didn't say, I'm done with you, go on, move on. But then in the latter years of his days, God did more with him than he did in the first part. 
And what an amazing God we serve. So listen to what he says, if you will, in verse number four. I cried to the Lord with my voice. Now this word cried is not necessarily just that tears are flowing, but that I'm speaking out in anguish and desperation to the Lord. Somebody needs to cry out to him. Remember we talked about last week that a rescue from God begins with a heartfelt cry. God, I need your help. God, I need your help. I prayed with somebody this morning. You know what? We didn't know what to pray. There's so much going on as we talked about it. We didn't know what to pray, but you know what we prayed? One word, help, Lord help. All right, let me move on. So he cried to the Lord and with my, with my voice, David said, and he heard me. What you'd expect, why did I say unexpected? God should have said, I'm not listening to you. I'm not listening to you. Look what you did with, you, with Bathsheba. I'm not listening to you. Look what you did to Uriah. I'm not listening to you. Look what you did to those other men that died on the battlefield. But he said, I cried out to him, even in my failure. And he heard me from his holy heel. Aren't you glad that he looks down low? as he sits on high. I'm so thankful today that God hears me, that I'm able to talk to him. I can't talk to the governor. Look, I can't set up a meeting with the governor. I can't set up a meeting with the president, but I can talk to God any time of the day or not. Isn't that good? The high king of heaven. Finally, number, next, in verse number five, in six, number five is this. He also, this unexpected help is the prince of peace. He's the prince of peace who brings peace that passes understanding. Now, where do I find that? We're going a verse at a time. Five and six. Where do you see peace in five and six? You look. You're going to do the, you're going to do the exposi- exposition, okay? Read verse five and six in your notes and tell me where in the world I got the concept of somebody having peace. Somebody said it? Slept. Because when you are troubled on your bed, what happens? Sleep evades you. And when you got a lot going on in your mind and you're trying to work something out and you're in anguish, you can't sleep. Can you find yourself in a cave and your son's trying to kill you and you're listening for every little noise that cracks and you don't know when they're going to storm the cave, you know, and cut your head off. Ooh, what? And so any little sound, but, but what he say? Because of the Lord, I want to read it. Read with me, verse 5. I lay down and slept. Then I just woke up. Why? The Lord sustains me. And so he's the prince of peace. Listen, Jesus is the only one who can come into your life, and even though your situation may persist, he can bring, pre- bring peace before the outcome is ever settled. Some people tell me from time to time, you act like you don't care. I said, no, no, no. It's just that I've learned that worrying won't fix a thing. Trust him. He's the prince of peace. Next is this last and finally, verse number seven and eight. Put your eyes there with me. And so we have this man who has failed God so miserably. In verse one and two, he says, the enemy's opposition's all around me. We've determined that his reasoning for this opposition is his own personal sin. God said the sword is gonna be part of your home. We find out, though, that David says, because of who God is in contrast to who he is, he knows he can call out to him, and he does. He says, you, O oh Lord, are a shield for me. Aren't you glad God's not like you? Huh? Aren't you glad that God doesn't think about you the way you think about some people? Uh-oh. I'm so thankful that God's not like me, and he's not like David, and he's not like any other person you know. He'll never sell you out. He'll never be too busy. He's always there to help in our time of need. Let me move on, verse number seven and eight. Listen to what happens. So finally, the unexpected help is a shield. He's glory. He's a lifter of our heads. He's the, he's the one who hears our cry. He's the prince of peace. And number, and number six, finally, he is the savior. Now look in verse seven and eight with me. I lay down and slept, verse five. I woke in the morning. I won't be afraid, he said in verse number six. I won't be afraid of 10,000 people. They can be all around my cave. And I'm gonna make me a little bed over here with these rocks. Scratch me up a little grass. Come on, somebody. Lay down on my side and go to sleep. I'm not going to be alarmed at, at what's going on around me. He's my 
Finally, my Savior, number, verse number seven, listen to the term, arise, O Lord. Now, this is the first part in the scriptures where we hear this word, and we find out as we read through the New Testament, or the Old Testament, rather, that this terminology, arise, my Lord, is, is, is warrior terminology. What he's saying is, come battle for me. Come battle for me. And listen, if David can say to God, come battle for me, can't you? If David committing adultery and lie and murder, if he can say to God, God, come fight for me, can't you say it? Don't you have the same footing with God that David did? Sure you did. Through the cross of Jesus Christ, you can say, somebody that needs to cry out to him and say, oh God, come fight for me. Arise. That ought to be your prayer. Maybe you've never prayed that before. Truth be told, 90% of everybody in here has never prayed that prayer to God. Arise, Lord, and fight for me. And what if today you began praying, arise, Lord, and take the wheels off the chariots of my enemies? Let me move on, okay? Verse number seven, arise, O Lord, save me, O my God, for you have struck all the, my enemies on the cheekbone and you have broken the teeth of the ungodly. He's just talking about devastating his enemies. David has seen in the past God defeat n- more numerous armies than he had. Verse number eight, read with me. Salvation belongs where? To the Lord. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So as we think about help, wherever you find yourself today, here's the, here's the overarching truth. He is salvation. It's not not just that he provides salvation. Listen to me. He is salvation. And whatever it is you need saving from, listen to me, he's the answer. And if it's situations in relationships, you say, well, well, what do I need to do? Rub a, a bottle and get my genie to show up? No, no, no. You need to draw near to him. And you need to turn over control of your life to him. You need to get to know him better every day. And as you'll spend time in relationship with him, what you'll find out? He'll begin to direct your steps. Your life will be radically transformed. Salvation belongs to the Lord. And then finally, get this. Can you imagine David saying this? Because what we sang about, the blessing, we sang about the favor of God, the blessing of God being on us and our families for all generations, right? Now, listen to what David said at the end of this. Now, what did David do? Committed adultery, should have been battling, wasn't battling, saw the lady, brought her in, did what he did, Brought David off, I mean, brought Uriah off the battlefield, got him drunk, tried to do that. Uriah was too honorable. Can you believe that? Sit him back on the battlefield, took him to the hot lines, pulled the, his help away from him, had him slaughtered. And this is how he closes this prayer. Reading with me? Your blessing is upon your people. Who in the world would bless those who were rebelling against them? Who in heaven's name would say, if you'll call on me, I'll give you good in return for how you've been living in opposite of me? If you'll turn, if you'll turn to me, if you'll surrender to me, I'll save you and restore the year, Joel chapter 2, the, the year's the locusts of Eden. So this morning, simply put, I want us to enter into a time of prayer together. Would you do that with me? Would you bow your head with me for just a moment? I know I'm surprised as you are that we're done. But I don't want to say what's not there. I just wanted to say this morning what it said. Life's full of opposition. Would you agree with that? Say amen. It's full of opposition. Sometimes it's because we're living godly in a fallen world. Sometimes it's God refining our faith. But sometimes, listen close, but sometimes it's due to our sin. What was David's case? Number three, his own personal sin. Because of that, his son and many of his subjects were against him. Maybe right now you look at life and it feels like there are a lot of people against you and situations against you. And I want to say to you that the good news is, is there's still an answer for your situation. 
and his name is Jesus. I just want you to consider that for just a moment. His name is Jesus. And he is the unexpected help. Unexpected, why? Because we don't deserve it. If one is looking at our situation at David, you wouldn't expect God to help him, but he did. What I want to say to you is it's time for some of us in this room to come on out of the paralyzation of regret and shame. And today, for the first time, call out to the Lord in repentance and say, God, come help me. God, come fight for me. Some of you, listen, some of you are so tired, you don't know it, but it's showing. It shows in your relationships and how you're treating people because you've been battling this thing on your own. Somebody here today is struggling with pornography or addiction. I don't know what it is, but it, today you ought to just call out to him and say, God, arise. Arise and fight for me. Now, what I want to do with heads bowed and eyes closed is simply ask this question, okay, just by show of hands really quickly. If you're here today and there's some area of your life that you need God's help, whether it's your personal walk, whether it's in your family, whether it's in your physical condition or finances, I don't know. But if you are in need of a supernatural help from God, would you slip your hand up today? Just slip it up toward heaven, just, just right where you're seated. Nobody's looking around. This is just you and him. My goodness, just like the early worship, I guess it's just about everybody in the room. So would you just for a minute think of your most eloquent prayer that you might could pray? You know what I mean? Muster up all your intelligence, all your training, all your background, all your research, and muster up this prayer. You ready? Here's what it looks like. Simply one word. If you know it, say it with me. Help. Help, Lord. Help. If, listen to me, if the consequences right now are based on some personal sin, here's what you do. Confess it to God. Not to me. The scripture doesn't say you can confess it to me for forgiveness. No, no. Only God can do that. So right where you're seated, he already knows. He loves you the same. He's not changed his mind. If there's some particular sin in your life that your consequences are, are, are in your life right now, you and him clear the air. You just talk to him right where you're seated. Now, confession doesn't mean, Lord, I'm sorry for this and this and this. Confession means, God, I see it, and I'm acknowledging it. And I'm asking for your help to turn away from it. And then right after that, help me. Help me, Lord. I can't do it on my own. Help me. If you're here today and you've never invited Jesus Christ to be the Lord of your life, he's the help that you need. He bled and died and rose again so that you and I could be adopted into the family and be sons and daughters of God. But he won't force his way. He's a gentleman. He won't kick the door and he just simply makes the invitation. So would you come to Jesus today? I'm going to say that the altar's open. All right, I'm going to pray and... Who's going to help me? Brian, are you? Okay, Brian Taylor going to help me at the altar. Shane, would you and Dawn help me as well? I just feel like there are going to be a lot of folk coming just saying, hey, would you just simply pray that God would help me? You don't, have to, you don't have to tell anything about what you want us to pray for unless you just want to. If you have some questions, ladies, Dawn and Taylor are down here. They'd love to pray with you. Guys, we'll be down there. We'd love to pray with you. If there's some need in your life, come, come, come say, hey, would you pray for this? Or if you've given your life to Jesus or have some questions about that, come find us. Lord, I pray in Jesus' name that you take this time of response. And Lord, if there are some who are supposed to join this gathering, that they would quit putting it off and come on. There's some who have not followed through in baptism, that Lord, you'd convict them to get that in the right order. Father, if there's some today who need to be saved, would you save them? We pray it all in the precious name of Jesus.